Colossians 3, verse 20 and 21 is where we find ourselves this morning. We're going to be talking about parenting and about kids and being a kid and children and what that means. And all of us here uh, are children, no matter our age, uh, but, uh, but some of us here are parents. And so I'm going to be addressing both parties this morning. So Colossians 3, verse 20 Just two verses. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. It was Charles Spurgeon in the late 1800s. He wrote an article about the need for revival. And these are the words he wrote. He said, we deeply want a revival of family religion. The Christian family was the bulwark of godliness in the days of the Puritans, but in these evil times, hundreds of families of so-called Christians have no family worship, no restraint upon growing sons, and no wholesome instruction or discipline. How can we hope to see the kingdom of our Lord advance when his own disciples do not teach his gospel to their own children? O Christian men and women, be thorough in what you do and know and teach. Let your families be trained in the fear of God and be yourselves holiness unto the Lord. So shall you stand like a rock amid the surging waves of error and ungodliness which rage around us. Uh, These are powerful words written over 100 years ago, late 1800s by Charles Spurgeon. I can't imagine what he would write today in America. I wonder what he would say. Probably very similar, maybe even a harsher tone. I, I don't know. But the reality is, like Spurgeon, I would say that we are in desperate need of a revival here in the States. And I believe if we see revival take place, we must first see it in the home. Revival will start in the home. And a revival would mean that parents are invested in their children, that they teach them the ways of the Lord so that when they grow older, they will not depart from the ways. A revival also means that children would learn to submit and to obey and to honor their parents. It starts in the home. And if we want to see the Holy Spirit move mightily amongst his people, we've got to see it first in the home. And then we see it in the churches, and then we'll see it throughout society. But it has to start in the home. And so this this morning, for, for these few minutes here, I'm going to look at two job descriptions. First, I'm going to talk to all the sons and the daughters in the room. And second, I'm going to talk to all the parents in the room. Because we each have a job description that God gives us in these two verses in Colossians. So for all of us here, we've been children at one point in our lives. And we've had moms and dads or guardians or parental figures. And so what is the job description for us as kids? Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Pretty simple here. But what does this mean exactly? What does it mean to obey One of my favorite books on parenting I'm going to refer to a little bit today is Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. If you you don't have it in your bookshelf, order it today. It's a classic and a must read. And in that, Tripp says, obedience is the willing submission of one person to the authority of another. It's the willing submission of one person to the authority of another. It's It's submitting under authority, under someone's leadership. And oftentimes, a submission... And obedience is doing something that we don't really want to do. And when I think about obedience, I think about how as as children, our job description is to obey mom and dad when they tell us to do something without without, um, challenge, without complaining or excuse, and without delay. So let me unpack that for a minute. 
So without challenge, now I want you to imagine yourself getting ready for bed and your mom yells upstairs or from downstairs says, honey, it's time for bed. Well, you could initially say to her, mom, I still have 20 more minutes of this TV show I'm watching or I still have 20 pages to read of this chapter or I still have homework or I'm still texting with my friends. That would be challenging your mom and dad. But to obey your mom, you should say, okay, mom, I will say goodnight to my friends. I'll close the book. I should have had my homework done earlier. Good night. Another example would be your dad says, hey, kids, I want to do some yard work this week, and I need your help doing yard work. And you could say to dad, well, dad, I'm going to, you know, I have other plans. You know, me and my friends are supposed to go out and hang out. Or, you know, yesterday I, I worked out hard, and I'm, so I'm really sore, and so I just can't, I can't bend down right now. I can't help you with the leaves because I'm really sore. Or, or dad, I, I've got a lot of homework. I just can't. I don't think I can do it. I'm sorry. Is that how we are respond when our dad asks us for help? No. Another example would be your mom has prepared dinner for the last hour and a half. And she says, it's time for dinner. A couple minutes go by. Time for dinner. Food's getting cold. A couple minutes go by. Okay, come on, time for dinner. But yet you're playing that video game and you just... You're locked and loaded in that video game and you don't want to stop it or, or you're texting with your friends on your iPad or cell phone. You're like, I, I can't stop this conversation. You know, that's, that's disobeying your mom, right? If, if she asks you to come for dinner, just pause the video game, go back to it later or turn it off or tell your friends, I'm sorry, I got to wrap up this conversation. Let's talk tomorrow. You know, all three of those examples, what kid wants to go to bed, right? You know, what, what, what kid wants to rake leaves, what, what kid wants to stop their playing their video game and go to dinner? None of you do. But the reality is, is that to obey means that you are to do things even though you don't want to do it. That's the job description for us as kids, and that is to obey. So why should we obey? Why should we do these things? Well, God gives us two reasons in these verses here. The first reason we should obey is it's pleasing to the Lord. Verse 20 Children, obey your parents, for this is pleasing to the Lord. I like Ephesians 6.1 that says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. When you obey your mom and dad, it's not only pleasing to the Lord, but it's the right thing to do. You know, from the very beginning of time, God established a creation order of authority, a pecking order, where he said parents are the authority figure. Even non-Christian religions would operate on this natural order and that parents have authority over their children. And so again, this is what God has established for us and it's pleasing to him. So when you disobey mom and dad, you're not just disobeying mom and dad, but let's take it up a notch. You're actually disobeying God. This is not just an issue between you and your parents. It's an issue between you and God when you disobey because you're disobeying him and you're displeasing the Lord. Think of it that way. The stakes just were raised a notch here. Because it's not just about you and your relationship with your mom and dad. It's also about your relationship with the Lord. And when you disobey God, you're disobeying him. So why should we obey and submit? Well, because it's pleasing to the Lord. And it's the right thing to do. But the other reason we should obey our parents is because it keeps us safe. It's for our well-being and our good. Ephesians 6.2 continues on to say, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise 
that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. What is it saying here? It's saying if you honor your mom and dad, if you submit under their leadership and you obey them, then things will go well for you. You will live long in the land, meaning you won't die at a young age, more than likely. Now, you remember all those times, all of us can relate to this. You remember those times when your mom and dad said, don't touch that, it's too hot. Why are they doing that? Because they don't want you to burn yourself on the oven. Remember the time when when your dad said, don't talk to strangers. Why is that? Because you can get hurt by a stranger if you don't know that person, if you're not careful and you don't know your surroundings. Remember all those times when your parents said, don't do this or do this. It was for your benefit. It was for your well-being and your own good. I like what Tripp says here. He says, when you obey your mom and dad, you're in the circle of safety. When you obey your mom and dad, you're, you're safe, you're protected because they want what is right for you. If they're a good parent, at least, they want what is right for you. And Ephesians 6, 2 is saying, not only will you live long in the land, but he's talking about the community. The community of believers will live long in the land because they obey their moms and their dads. You're in this circle of safety. It's for your good. That's why you obey. It's not just pleasing to the Lord, but it's also for your benefit. Now, I will say there's a caveat here. You don't need to follow your mom and dad when they instruct you to sin or when they model sin. And I kid you not, one of you here, you were a coach of a baseball team recently, and you were telling me that after the game, you chose not to play this certain kid. It was a playoff game, and you didn't put him in this certain position. You still played him, but you didn't put him in this position. After the game, a dad ran up to you, got in your face, yelled and cussed at you, and almost took a swing at you. And he did that because he was mad that his son didn't play in the position that he, was, he wanted him to play in. Well, while this dad was yelling and berating the coach, the son was standing right next to him. So that son doesn't need to pick up those bad habits from that angry dad. But instead, that son needs to go in a different direction. You know, if if your parent is watching a movie they shouldn't be watching or listening to music they shouldn't be listening to, kids, you know, you can call them out or you can go in a different room. You know, these are certain things. If your dad tells you, hey, it's okay to quit the season, don't even tell the coach. No, that's not okay. Finish the season and then tell the coach why you're, you're, you're not playing next year. You know, there are, there are things that parents can do that are not good. And, and kids, you, you, gotta, you gotta be alert and make sure that you don't follow your parents in sinful behavior. You don't obey in that way. However, the majority of time, right, with good parenting, Lord willing, you need to obey. You need to submit to them because it is pleasing to the Lord and it's the right thing to do and it's for your good. Because what happens when you disobey your parents, Romans 1 tells us, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They've become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. Listen to this. They disobey their parents. And because of that, they become senseless, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. What happens when a generation of kids don't follow their parents? They become without sense. They don't make sense. They don't have faith. They don't have a heart of passion. They don't have empathy. And they're ruthless. They're mean and angry and disrespectful. That's the results of disobedient children. So again, when you act this way and when you disobey your mom and dad, you get out of the circle of safety and you get into this path of danger or this path of destruction. 
and that is when you disobey your parents. So again, the, the goal is, is not to the, follow the path of danger through disobedience, but it's to honor your parents, to submit under their leadership, to obey, uh, to obey them, even when you don't wanna do it, because it's for your good. So kids, that's your job description. Should you choose to accept it? I would encourage you to accept it because the word of God tells you to accept it. Parents in the room, what about us? Well, there's four types of parenting, four types of parents out there. There are the authoritarian parents that say, no, I don't love you and no, you can't have your own way. This parent is extremely harsh. They're critical, they're arrogant, they're mean, they don't care. All they care about is themselves. And they say, you can't, you can't have your own way. You can't do anything. This is my way or the highway. No. That's the authoritarian dictator parent. And some of you might be that way. I encourage you today, repent of that and humble yourself. The second type of parent is the permissive parent. Yes, I love you. And yes, you can have your own way. This parent is not harsh. They're too lenient. They're just like, yeah, do whatever you want. Hey, I just spent an hour and a half cooking chicken casserole for you, but because you don't like it, I'll go ahead and warm you up some chicken nuggets. I'll go ahead and get you some French fries or I'll get you some pizza just because you don't like what I just made. I hear that all the time. It drives me crazy. I used to hear this saying from my mom, you get what you get and you don't pitch a fit. Here she is slaved in the kitchen for two hours and then I'm over here saying, hey, mom, I don't like that. I'd rather have chicken fingers, chicken nuggets. No, parents don't buy into that. Make your kids eat what you made. And if they don't eat it, then say, I'm sorry, go to bed. And if you think that sounds really harsh, then feed them in the morning. They're gonna be fine. <laughs> I tell my kids all the time, I've been to Africa and it's so hard for those kids. They go on one meal a day sometimes. You'll be fine. And it sounds harsh, but I'm serious. You get what you get and you don't pitch a fit. So again, permissive parents, oh, you I'll get you whatever you want. Some parents will get their kids an iPhone when they're seven with no restrictions. Are you kidding me? No. Don't just give your kids an iPhone when they're seven or nine. You know, ease into it. Give them restrictions. The disconnected parent is one, and I hear this a lot with blended families. I hear this a lot where a couple or a spouse gets mad at their ex-spouse because the ex-spouse, all they do is when the kids are over there, they just, they just give them whatever they want. They throw money at them and they say, oh, go for it. And then the rest of the time, the other parent has to do the, the cleanup. You know, I hear that a lot. Sometimes it even happens with, with, uh, with, uh, with parents that have been together. So the disconnected parent says, no, I don't love you. And yes, you can have your own way. I'll give you whatever you want, but I really don't want to spend time with you. I don't have time. You know, you're disconnected. That's not helpful. So what's the goal of parenting? It's to be the encouraging parent. Yes, I love you. And no, you can't have your way. I'm sorry. I love you, but there's got to be some rules here. There's got to be some structure. It's for your good. You don't need to have candy for dinner, okay? You need to get to bed at a decent hour, okay? This is for your good. You need to go to church. It's for your good. You need to get into a youth group. It's for your good. I hear that a lot too. Well, my kid doesn't want to go to youth group. I don't care. You send them to youth group, you know? Just because they don't want to go to school, you still send them to school. So why wouldn't you send them to church? All right, I'm sorry for preaching so much, but this, I'm passionate. <laughs> so again, for parenting, what's the goal here? The goal is to be the encouraging parent. Yes, I love you. And no, you can't have your own way. And the goal is to have a balance between being too harsh and being too lenient, right? Because what happens when you're too harsh? 
Well, it discourages your kid. It leads to insecurity, instability. It can lead to depression when you're just harsh. And I find it interesting that that Paul directs dads here in verse 21. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Ephesians talks about do not exasperate your child. The word exasperate means to tear down, to, to continue to have fault finding. You know, so a lot of times, dads, I think, I think what Paul was doing through the Holy Spirit here, he was addressing dads specifically here because generally, I, I don't like to speak in, in general terms, but generally, dads are not as nurturing as mothers, right? And, and a lot of times, we have trouble separating work from home life. And we can have a really bad day at work, and all of a sudden, we get home and we just take it out on our kids. We take it out on our wife and our kids. And it's like, what? They don't deserve that. But yet, so many... Dads do that, and I've done it. Where you're stressed out at work, you're stressed out with all life's demands, and who do you take it out on but your family? It's easy to have a veneer at work, and you have to abide by the rules at work, but then you get home, and you could be a completely different person. Your kids don't deserve that. They don't need that. And and don't be that dad who's always finding fault with your kids, who's always so hard on your kids, you know, I hear it and see it all the time, especially with sports, where a dad's like, well, you, you could have done this better, or you could have done that better, or you could have done this better. You know, that doesn't help. Constructive criticism is good at times, but if you're always critical, that's not good. In full disclosure, and I very rarely do this, but my grandfather was negative. He was negative. I remember to this day, I, I went up to Pop. I said, hey, Pop, Tennessee beat Florida. Wasn't that great? And he said, yeah, but they, they should have done this better, or they should have done that better. I'm like, they just beat Florida. You know, but he was so critical. So dads, please don't take your work out on your family. Don't get angry and have a short fuse towards your kids because it will discourage them. It will tear them down. That's what being too harsh can do. And moms, you can do the same thing. You don't get a pass here. Because I've seen, I've seen some of you get, get, on, get, get into it. And sometimes it's appropriate, but sometimes it's not. So when you get angry and you discipline your kids, take a step back before you discipline them. Pause for a little bit. Take a few moments to either pray or just to calm down and then instruct them in discipline. So again, if you're too harsh, if you're too overbearing, it's going to lead your kids astray. But what happens when you're too lenient? When you're too lenient and you just kind of say, do whatever you want, there's no rules here. The kid has no structure. The kid, has, the kid will be disobedient. They'll be wild. They'll go out of control when they go to college. Sometimes a, a too strict parent will send a kid's wild in college, and sometimes a too lenient parent will do the same. I like what John Bunyan said. He was instructing parents on what to do when they found, them, when they found themselves with a kid who was disobedient and wild. He said, you must rule them and not let them rule you. You are set above or you are set over them by God and you are to use the authority which God has given you both to rebuke their wickedness and to show them the evil of the rebelling against the Lord. This is what Eli did, though not enough. And likewise to David. Also, you must tell them how sad your state was when you were in their condition and so labor to rescue them out of the snare of the devil. What I love about this quote is he's saying, okay, when you have a disobedient, unruly, rebellious child, You remind them that you have been placed in authority over them by God. You also remind them that you love them and you remind them what they did wrong and you you make that a discipleship lesson or a a time of, of teaching. You know, the word 
The word discipline or the word disciple comes out of the word discipline. Have you ever noticed that? So as we discipline and instruct our kids, we're discipling them. We're we're teaching them to follow the ways of the Lord. We're teaching them what is right and what is good for them, even though it's hard. And so again, when you're too lenient, it can lead a kid to, to look for love in other places. It can lead them to a rebellious lifestyle. So as parents, our job description is to balance between being too harsh and being too lenient. I wanna end by just saying these words, and that is to be consistent, be consistent. You know, there's several ways in which we can be inconsistent. Uh, one way is uh, our discipline. We can be inconsistent by just repeating our instructions to our children. So you could say, honey, it's time for dinner. And then you could say it five minutes later, it's time for dinner, food's getting cold. And you could say it again, it's time for dinner. You're repeating the direction. That's not good. What your kids need is they need you to say it one time, first call, and they need to come. And if they don't, they need to be in trouble for it. Yeah, it might sound harsh, but I'm telling you, it will help you. It will help you if if you don't give the repeated direction. The other thing I would encourage you not to do is the window of continued disobedience. What I mean by that is the countdown. Three, I'll give you three seconds. I'll give you 10 seconds. You know, what does that do? it, It allows your kid to continue to disobey for three more seconds or for 10 seconds. Did you notice that God the Father never did a countdown to us when he gave us a command? He never said, hey, kids, I'm gonna count to three. Hey, sons and daughters, I'm gonna count to three for you to obey me. No, it's one time. Now, when you tell your kids an instruction and you say, hey, it's time for dinner, give them a, few, give them a minute to turn off their, computer, their, their video game or their text or, or their phone and come downstairs. You know, don't, don't expect them to be there in 10 seconds. Sometimes I have that problem. You know, it's like my wife reminds me, give them a, give them a second here, you know? <laughs> and so really, but, but the key is don't do the countdown. Don't give them more time. Don't continue to repeat yourself. The other thing I would say is the empty threat. You know, if you do these things, then you're gonna lose privileges. I'm gonna take away your iPhone for a day or you're gonna be grounded this weekend. And then when the weekend comes, it's easy to lax and say, oh, well, I guess I shouldn't do that. No, be consistent. Don't don't give an empty threat. If you're gonna say you're gonna do it, do it, follow through because your kids need you to be consistent. Even though they don't want you to be, they need you to be. The other thing I would say to be consistent on is to be consistent with who you are at work and with who you are at home. Again, to the best of your ability, I know you're gonna, you're gonna be different at home in some way because your, your family's gonna know you flaws and all, but, 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 but be consistent, right? And the last thing I would say is be consistent with apologizing. You're not a perfect parent and you won't be. You'll never be a perfect parent. I hate to say it. I could, I could stand up here all day and tell you thing after thing after thing of what not to do. In fact, I'll tell you one of them, and I'm pretty humiliated about it. On Friday, I was the guy who told my kids, I need your help raking leaves. Well, they were helping me. I have 28 trees, in, or 38, sorry. I have 38 trees in my yard. Leaves are coming everywhere. Kids, I need your help this weekend. Okay, and they were helping me. They were, they were great. But we had a short window of time to get it done before our dinner appointment. And I started losing my cool. And they started dropping the trash can and they started dropping it on accident. I was just, oh, what are you doing? And I just lost it. So kids, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for losing it. And later that day, I just said, kids, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for 
for getting angry and having a short fuse. You know, that was an important lesson for me. And I think it's an important lesson for you that you're not gonna get it perfectly. You're not gonna do it perfectly. And it's okay to apologize when you don't get it right because you're not gonna get it right. And your kids need to see you model the way of apologizing to them because one day they'll apologize to their kids or to their whoever they offend, right? And that's what makes this table so powerful is that while we are sinners, yet Jesus died for us. When we are weak, he is strong. His grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in our weakness. And so yes, you and me as parents, we're not gonna do it right. We're going to make mistakes. The reality is, is he never makes mistakes. And he's gonna fuel us with his grace and his word to help guide us and to encourage us to be better parents, to do the best we can do, but it's ultimately through his spirit in which we can actually be good parents.